Please bow your heads. Dear kind, loving Father in heaven, we count it a rich blessing to be in this place this week and in this place right now. We ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be upon our speaker and upon each one of us. May we have hearts that will um, understand and accept and embrace and receive all that you have for us today. Thank you in advance for all that we will walk away from here with. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's do a little bit of review um, on the sheet. Let's follow the sheet. And there's, there are many questions, but we're going to go through pretty quickly, okay? And if you can answer them, that would be great. Christian life is an ongoing, okay? And circular, because it is ever getting deeper, right? Ever getting deeper, ongoing. Not only it's ongoing, but ever getting deeper, circular, and corporate, or corporate or communal. I mean, you can use any any words that are appropriate. Communal or corporate journey. So because we are all doing this together. And that's, a, that's an important, important message I want us to get. We're going to do it together as a family. Amen? We're going to do it together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. So that means that we need to make ourselves what? We need to make ourselves vulnerable to one another. We need to make ourselves available to one another. We need to be open to one another. And you know what? It's sometimes it's easier for, for us to go to God and, and deal with God, but it, it's harder for us to really be open to one another. Okay, ongoing circular and communal journey toward what? Toward maturity. Toward maturity. And goal of which is to keep reaching. Keep reaching what? God-given potential. That's what maturity is all about. You know, how much of a God-given potential that he would have for each and every one of you? How much do you think you can, stre- you can be stretched in terms of your capacity and potential? How much? You know? You know, my life has been an ongoing nylon stretch. <laughs> because I came from Korea at the age of 20, and then I, little did I know that Lord would put me in a ministry, you know, having to speak in English all the time. You know how difficult that was? You had no idea. And I remember first time in my life ever giving Bible study to an American person in English. Because at that time, my level of communication was like five minutes with somebody, and that's it. How are you? And, you know, all that. But then I had to speak 30 minutes to this lady while she was just waiting for me to speak ongoingly. I was so stressed out. (laughs) I even came up with a manuscript, right, for my Bible study, but I couldn't even read them because I was so stressed out. I remember those times. So God stretched me. And God allowed me to marry my wife, who, who came from Korea at the age of eight. She came at the age of eight, so she doesn't have any kimchi sound in her, in her English. <laughs> and uh, she has the butter tongue language. And, and for me to juggle my relationship with her was another stretch of my life. So then God kept stretching, stretching, and stretching us. So I want you to know today 
that our goal is to reach, continue to reach what? God-given potential, which there is no limit. Amen? Amen. And then given what? Potential for all of us. And we begin this process in a place of what? Uh, immaturity. <laughs> we begin this process in a place of immaturity, which means that what? All of us as humanity, as humanity, as co-humanity, we share enough sense of immaturity to one another. None of us are fully mature and have it there. Amen? How would you like to hear a sermon speaking from someone who, who sounds like he's all there, have it there, up there, and then talking to somebody else, all the, you know what I'm saying? No, no, according to this study, I came to realize that all of us are in this thing together. All of us have enough sense of immaturity to share. And we, we mature from a place of immaturity and break down as most likely as in what? We learned this yesterday. Where are we in terms of our place of immaturity? All of us likely being in this place of infancy. <laughs> All of us are developmentally likely to be in this what place of infancy. We just barely be gone. I don't care if you're 40s, 50s, 60s. I don't care. You know, we just barely be gone. And that's okay. Why? Why? Because we have eternity with us. Amen. So don't be rushed. <laughs> don't think that time is running out. Don't be too hasty, too stressed out, okay? And I like that. And then somebody said, don't give up because God has not finished yet with you and me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, 2.13 tells us that he who began a good work in you, he shall be able to finish it. Amen? And then, okay, so someone tell me, someone tell me, since you were here yesterday, many of you, someone tell me about the truth about grieving. Truth about grieving and truth about uh, healing and shame. What is likely to be the missing ingredient? Anybody can say? Hmm? You can't do it alone. If we did it alone, then crying by yourself at night would have, you know, gotten you through grieving, but we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. So no matter how much you grieve on your own, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to allow you to come to a place of healing. Isn't that fascinating? To me, that's fascinating. How do you deal with shame? So we talked about grieving. How about shame? Shame. How do you break away from shame? You were here yesterday, right? Right. So how do you break away from shame? <laughs> Just, there's no... Just with God's help. And God's help and then with... When you open up. Yeah, and when you start going through the maturing process. As soon as you open up, you be break free from shame. Because shame loves secrecy. Shame and secrecy goes together. And so when, as soon as you make it open, of course, you have to be in a place where you can be secure and, and be safe, right? And so... There's something about being open, which is so important for our healing process, okay? And I hope some of, some of us will do that. And we, many of us are in an Adventist community where the community is very tight and, you know, really small and every, everybody knows everybody kind of thing. But really, we think we know, but we don't really know, if you know what I'm talking about, right? And so we have a hard time being open. I know some of the, like, a Sunday church member love to come to 
Seventh-day Adventist pastors to be open because <laughs> they feel safe <laughs> by coming to me. And so we need to make sure that we're in a safe place, but we got to learn to be open. How about number four? What is exactly part of the brain that keeps growing in that it is never too late to start the journey of healing and maturity at any point in our lives? Do you remember? Frontal lobe, right? Okay, frontal lobe. Prefrontal, um, prefrontal cortex, right? Orbital prefrontal cortex. That's an area which has the control center of our entire being. And that's called what? Identity place, right? It's a place called joy center. And that just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. So then our goal is to what? Feed that frontal lobe, right? Prefrontal cortex as much as we can. Okay. How does one find breakthrough from a place of breakdown? How does one mature from a place of immaturity? Anybody can answer? Anybody can answer? Anybody? Nobody? Anybody? Relationship, yes. How does one, relationship, what kind of relationship? You're getting there. Corporate, that's good, that's good. We're getting there. You're using some of my language, that's good. <laughs> okay, what else? Joy-filled Joy relationship, right? And so then, when our lives become joyless, what does that mean? Are we going to be able to grow in that joyless environment? No, no. We can only grow in a place where you and I are fed by the nutrition one of the most important nutrition for growth and maturity, and that is called what? Joy. Isn't that amazing? So you don't want to miss tomorrow. How many of you are thinking about missing tomorrow? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to be joyful no matter what, but, but I wish you would be here tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in giving us joy in our lives, you know? Joy is everything. Joy is the food that you and I thrive that will allow us to what? To mature and grow. So isn't that amazing about God? God never, ever intends all of us to be in a miserable place. God never intends for us to do anything like obligational and, you know, duty but without having joy in our lives. God wants our lives to be filled with what? Joy, abundant joy. Amen? And keep that in mind, okay? So joy-filled relationship, that's how you experience breakdown. And so how would you uh, mature? How would you help your child to mature? Child rebels and all that. How do you, how do, you do that? Hmm? Good question, good question. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, child is born in this world to have one, um, you know, one desire. Child is born on this earth to be liked and to be appreciated and to enjoy, to be enjoyed. You know, as a husband, when my wife tells me, you know, I enjoy having you in my life, that means everything. If you says, if you do this, that will make me happy. That's secondary. Just having you is enough. Our children, the best gift we can give 
is to, you know what, tell them that, you know what, having you gives me enough joy. And that's what God is like. And I hope that we understand and get excited about God in that way. Okay? Continuing on. Okay, we're moving on pretty fast, but uh, we talked about it yesterday. And then number six, how does one build a healthy sense of identity? How do you build a healthy sense of identity? I'm not talking about ethnic identity. I'm not talking about any other kinds of identity. It is Christian identity. The kind of identity that God wants us to build. You remember that chart that I shared? How do you, how do you, when I say identity, what does it mean? By being loved, loved. That's your identity. So when someone asks you, what is your identity? What would you say? What you do? Yeah, what is your identity? Normally, tell people what you do, and then, or you say, you know, scratch your uh, here, and then I'm a homemaker, or you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and then, no, not many people say. Not many people can say, "I am the beloved." That's your identity. <laughs> you see, no matter what you go through, no matter how immature you may be, no matter how much of a breakdown you may have. You come to a journey of wholeness, and then the way, they the way you introduce yourself, so I am a child of God. That means I am the beloved. I am the beloved. Say it to yourself. I am the beloved. I am the beloved. Are you sure about that? Said, Don't ask me. <laughs> I am the beloved. Yeah, that's how you find your sense of identity. How does one know, and then that's a continual question, how does one know that he or she is loved as an infant? You remember the chart? Identity comes from being loved, being the one who is beloved, and then how do you know you are beloved? How do you know you are loved? If your father and mother scolding you all the time, trying to correct you all the time, that's all they talk about, and then how would they know that they're loved? By having the parents and around them to enjoy this being. It's a joy bond. Joy bond, which is equals with love bond. Think about it. It's a profound. It's profound to think about it. Okay, and then number eight, in what way spiritual discipline is important? We talked about it. What does it do to one's identity? How does it build maturity? Can someone answer? What is spiritual discipline is? What is spiritual, you know, life is all about? What is it all about? Has to do with identity. You remember? We, are, we, are, we have a need to be reminded who we are, whose we are, how much we are loved, and that's what spiritual discipline is all about. That's why we need to have devotion every day in our lives to be reminded of our what? Intrinsic identity, absolute kind of identity that is so much so that that core sense of identity is something that no one can take away. You remember? That's something that no one, nothing can take away from us. And that is what is at the core. And that is who we are as children of God. Amen. And then number nine, formulas for growth, maturity that would help us to move from immaturity to maturity are? Tell us. Tell us what we need to mature and grow. All that you know. Come on. Come on. Tell us what you need. 
Learning from the church. What does the Bible tell us? What we need to grow. Let's, let's come up with some formulas. Come on, come on. Let's cook this really fast. We don't have time. <laughs> we have more things to talk about. Pardon? Trust, okay. Trusting God, relationship with God. Okay, what else? Prayer, yeah, very important. Communication with God. What else? The Bible, right? Bible. And then serving is very important. But one missing ingredient that we often overlook is that God uses the broken people to heal the broken. Mm-hmm. You know the story about a, a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, uh, there's a special retreat center in Seattle. And then there's a place, that's a place where they heal uh, the teenagers whose lives are shattered by, you know, traumas in their lives. So these kids come and one, one child by the name of Johnny came. And one day, Johnny was gone. But Johnny was known to be a, some, to be a someone who's filled with anger. Okay? And no one can touch him. No one can say anything to him because he would just like, you know, react against. And one day it was raining really hard. You know, he was nowhere to be found. And then guess what they found eventually? They found him under the big tree. And then they saw him with a big horse. And all of a sudden, this boy who was never to be excited about anything. He was just like so excited. He was coming uh, to the gate, to the, you know, to the door of the house, and he just burst the door open. And as he was coming in, he was exclaiming so loud, you know, by saying that my horse, my horse hugged me. My horse hugged me. Did you know that that horse was also a horse that happens to be abused by the owner. And the horse had scars and everything. And that was just amazing how God could use an animal who was once abused, and somehow this broken horse somehow could understand the brokenness of a boy, and they were joined together. And I tell you, if God could use the abused horse to heal this boy, then God could do much, much more as much as we've been broken. God intends to use you and use me as a way of bringing healing in the lives of people, you know? And I want to tell you something. Healing, I mean the hurt being healed becomes a place of mission in your life. That's the only way we can make sense out of hurt in our lives. That's the only way we can make sense out of sufferings in our lives, right? Because suffering may seem pointless, but hey, if I can be placed in a place where God can use to heal people, and that's, that's what really, really counts, isn't it? And then, what kind of relationship foster growth and maturity? We're almost there. What kind of relationship foster growth and maturity? Not any kind of relationship. I mentioned that, if you remember, what kind of relationship? Joy-filled relationship. Okay, now everything's about joy, right? <laughs> what else? What else? What else? Authentic. I love it. Thank you so much. Authentic. Okay, so what does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to be authentic? Sincere. Okay, that's great. Okay, what else? Honest. Okay, what's another word for honest? Being open, transparent. Openness is so important. You got to be open to somebody. 
Okay, being open, being keeping it as a secret is is the way to be, you know, destroyed and 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 become very destructive. Okay, and authentic, open, and courageous. Okay, kind of relationship. That's what God desires: joyful relationship. And then number twelve, you don't have to answer all of that, but if there's anybody who has done their homework, let's hear them because. It's going to be so exciting if you get to share. Okay, number 12. What does your inner child look like? We've done some study yesterday about, about our inner child. Okay, what does your inner child look like? Anybody can say anything? Any courageous soul? I'm not going to mention your name, but if you can come up and share, then as soon as you open up and share, you're going to be healed. I'm serious. <laughs> it's going to be so relieving. Okay, maybe too much pressure. Okay. <laughs> okay, what does your inner child look like? Okay, what are some of the developmental tasks that have not been completed? Anybody? Anybody can say anything that you've learned about yourself yesterday? Oh, so can you repeat that again? I, I love, I love what you're learning. That you're not able to ask what you need. Ah. And I think a lot of people do that when they're trying to help others. Mm. They don't think about themselves mm -hmm. and just think they about almost, what others need instead of yourself. They almost feel kind of guilty thinking about and mm -hmm. talking about those things. Am I selfish in doing so, right? But then, but then you know, love others as you love yourself. Self-love. There's a place for self-love. So, okay, that's wonderful. Anybody else? I need to learn how to express my needs, right? Okay, that's great, that's great. And infants cannot express anything. Okay, there's anything that... You're, you not, you're not able to take care of yourself. You expect other people to take care of you. Oh, that's a big, big, big developmental task, right? If you're still struggling to take care of yourself because you take care of other people so much and then in the expense of what? Losing yourself. My mom was like that. My mom died at age of 40, can you imagine? She was pastor's wife, you know? And then my, my wife got sick when she was 40. I was like, I don't want to repeat the same. You see, it's a, you know, one thing so, so, so uh, awestrucking to me about human unhealthiness or dysfunction, it is something that continues on from generation to generation. It is a multi-generational thing. You know what I'm saying? That's why it is not that easy for us to break free from it. But when we place ourselves in the hands of others and being open, man, God does wonders in our lives. Anything else? Okay, great things. I need to be able to express my needs. I need to be able to take care of myself. Anybody else? One more person. I think you have something. Um, I think also if we are for me, it's I like to be very controlling, ah. in control of things, mm. and okay. complain when I cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> can you really control everybody around you? No, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> Why? Because you, you can't even control yourself, right, sometimes, right? right. And then... We want to look good by way of controlling other people, thinking that I'm in good control. It is 
a lot of times it is those who are out of control tends to try to control other people to a point where it's not unhealthy. You know what I'm saying? And so we can only control so much. A lot of parents come up to me and ask me, how do I control my teenagers? Oh, I said, may Jesus come. <laughs> you can't control. They're like dogs. They're like dogs, <laughs> pets. And you can't control. I cannot even control my emotions, right? We can only let God to control over our lives. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very, very much. Let's move on. What are some of your unmet needs? What are some of the nurturing messages that you can give to your inner child? Now, okay, having learned that, you know what, I have a need to express my needs, and so then whenever you feel guilty for not, you know, wanting to say what you need to say about your needs, what do you say to yourself? What would you say to yourself in a nurturing manner? You see, you see infant needs to be nurtured, right? I mean, it needs to be fed, right? Diaper needs to be changed. So then, instead of asking somebody else to nurture you, now you're going to nurture yourself. It's uh, the, something I learned from my mother. As the mother mothered me, I'm, not, I'm going to mother myself the way that my mother mothered me. Did you get that? <laughs> you need to learn to mother yourself in a way that your mother would mother you. So how would you say some nurturing word to yourself? <laughs> You don't know. Okay, I'll have to, to think about that. Okay, think about it. See, you got to nurture yourself. It's okay. I think my wife has something to say. about how, how would you say, what, what are some of the things that you say to yourself when you have a need to take care of yourself? I have to remind myself that I love myself wow. and that I am worthy. Sometimes mm. I feel like I'm trying to get validation from so many people, but I don't need that. I'm already worthy. Mm. I don't have to strive to please other people. Mm. And that you're worthy. And you're worthy to be nurtured. nurtured. Yes. To take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, I want to tell you, underneath our inability to take care of ourselves, there could be self-hatred. We don't like ourselves. I want to tell you something. When someone is like outrightly to say to other people and say, you know what, I don't like myself. And say, I hate myself. It is not a statement that are, that are coming from humility. It is not, it is not a, a humble statement. Rather, it is a statement that comes from having to internalize all that happened in your life, infantile childhood years. So much so that you internalize all of that and then, and then you end up saying to yourself that, you know what, I'm not worthy. And all the hatred that, that are given to you, you ended up internalizing everything. You know, we don't have time to go through everything. So self-hatred, self-dislike is deep-seated issue. Satan wants you to do everything you can to foster that experience. Actually, many of, the, many of our self-hatred, it, it is in the unconscious level. We don't even know that we hate ourselves. But sometimes in the middle of counseling, you end up saying stuff. Wait a minute, what did you say? Why did you say that? And then I don't know. 
That's how a lot of people respond. And then you go back and research and dig deeper, and you come to realize that there's a lot of, lot of infantile traumas that you have to deal with. Tomorrow, when we have time, we're going to talk a little bit about trauma. There are two types of trauma that, that we have to deal with, okay? And so with that in mind, okay, I, I love this statement. I, don't, I want you to follow after me. I don't have to give up on me to be loved by you. Do you like that? Do you like that? I don't have to give up on me to be loved by you. If I have to give up on me to be loved by you, that's not worth it. That's not love. You know what I'm saying? There's the core healthy sense of self that God has given you. You need to preserve. You need to allow that to grow. Without self-care properly, there will be no ground for care for the care of other people, okay? Okay, so before I talk about the second stage of maturity, I want to talk a little bit about two kinds of love, okay? Divine love and human love, and very simple. I mean, this is one, one full sermon in and of itself, but if you want to learn more about it, you can come to our um, you know, website, which is uh, lwfsda.church. I'm going to give it to you tomorrow on my syllabus, and then you go in there, a whole bunch of my sermons. Uh, sermons on, on this topic, divine love and human love. But one thing I want to tell you is that, that what distinguishes between divine love and human love is so strikingly, so strikingly different in that while human love is seeking to find someone who is worthy of your love, but divine love is, is to create the one who is worthy of your love. Amen? And that's what makes divine love is so different. You are already created to be worthy of love, you know, as an object of his love. While human love is seeking out for someone who is worthy of, love, of your love. So what does it tell me about my value in God? Can someone answer this? So what makes divine love enables you to be in touch with your value? Three values, you know, three aspects of your value in God. Number one, it is intrinsic. It's inner. So it's inner that your value, as long as you don't give it away, as long as you don't trash it, no one can take it away. Amen? It is inner, intrinsic. And then what? Absolute. Absolute. No matter how you feel, you are valuable. Absolute. And then what? Your value is eternal. Eternal. It's eternal. Okay? Someone can memorize that? Divine love gives us the worth that comes with creation in that it is what? Intrinsic and then? Absolute and then what? Eternal. You know, memorize these things because you will come to a place where you can share this with someone about what makes divine love so different than, than human love. We're not here to seek for any human love, but primarily we're seeking for divine love and then we're, we will be learning to reflect divine love in our lives, okay? So with that in mind, let's go move on to the second stage of maturity, okay, which is called childhood, from four years to 12 years old, and then developmental tasks that you have here. How do you like this picture? <laughs> Whoever marries this boy will be happy. <laughs> Look at this boy. Oh, I have two tears, a couple of tears, I'm happy. <laughs> and I can chew things, you know. There's so much life, so much life, so much life here, okay? Look at this. Isn't that beautiful? 
There's so much joy. It's called joy bond. And that's what's going to mature us. You see, God wants us to really kind of prosper us in this kind of setting. Okay, so second stage of life, the child stage, is a, is, an, is a stage where you learn to care for self. We need to learn to care for self, and that's an important stage. Let's move on quickly. Number one, learning to say what is needed. Okay, we will con- we're continuing to learn to say what is needed. As an infant, you can't say it. You can only like cry and all that, you know, uh, but, but then you're learning to say things, learning to verbalize what is needed, okay? And then still needing to be loved unconditionally and steadily. That's important. Regardless how you behave and so forth, child needs to be loved unconditionally, steadily, uh, which doesn't always happen in relationship because parents have their own issues to deal with, you know? And then, um, yes, rewards are to be earned, but not love. Love cannot be earned, okay? And you cannot be earned. You cannot, um, you know, condition it to get it. Number three, self-expression is so important. At this stage of your life, you need to learn to express yourself. Express how you think, how you feel, and express what brings satisfaction, and express your expectations, we need to learn to express these things. And that's why family is a healthy family. When, how do you know something is healthy for the family? Well, when you see family members come together and talk a lot about these kind of things. You know what I mean? I feel, and this is how I think, and then, you know, I, mean, I was so happy and excited. So when you're able to share um, all that you can share as you allow yourself to be expressed. You know, when I was a child, my father was very strict and so more rigid. And as a result of becoming Seventh-day Adventist, he became even more rigid and he became very serious. Like we would have worship area, nothing wrong with it. And then, you know, he just we have to follow by the books and everything. And then I felt like I could not express myself to my father. For a long time. Whenever I tried to express something, eat your food, eat your food. <laughs> My father's like, <laughs> and he's reasoning like, you're going to go to military. When you go to military, military only gives you like 10 minutes to eat. <laughs> it's like, he was trying to train me to go to military at the age of like, you know, three, four years old. You know what I mean? It's crazy. He was operating from this like Korean War mentality, right? <laughs> and so I, I could not express myself. Until one day, I said, even if I get killed by my father, I'm going to say this. <laughs> but it didn't happen until I turned age of 20. I said to my father, my father was a pastor. I said to my father, father, I don't agree with you. <laughs> That was like, he thought the world was coming to an end. <laughs> it's like, what? What did you say? You know, you couldn't believe in it. But he saw the look on my face. I was like, Dad, your theology of salvation, <laughs> my theology of salvation is different. I don't agree with you. And he said, you have to respect my differences. Whoa, when I said that, like he, I could tell that he was, he was angry. He was like, he felt very disrespectful, whatever, but he could not say anything. He was like, 
swallowing all in. And then next day, I found out that my father had a hard time sleeping. <laughs> but that day, I became a man because I learned to what? Express myself. Very, very important. Your anger, your sadness, whatever you feel, we've got to be able to what? Express it. You've got to be able to say that I'm mad. You've got to be able to say those things. I am sad. Saddened by this. You've got to be able to say those things. You know, my mother died when, when she was 40 years old, and then it was 15 years later from the death of my mother. In Asian family, you never talk about someone's death, especially your parents. So to my father, I never talked about it. I didn't know how to bring it about. I mean, I could not even express myself. So one day, I just got married. <laughs> so I was like six, 20, uh, 25, 26 years old. I just got married to my wife. And then I was taking my father to the airport. And it was after I became a man at the age of 20, right? <laughs> and then we've, you know, and then all of a sudden I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to share what has been in my heart, something that's been repressed for so long. So I look at my father and said, Dad, is it okay for me to say something that may be very difficult for you to answer? But it's okay. You don't have to answer. But I have to tell you this. I said, Dad, how was it like for you to lose your wife? How was it like for you to lose your wife? When she died at the 40, you were like 40-some years old, and how was it like for you? And he said, he said, Song, wow. It was like oil shattered, and then heaven crumbled down. My whole world was upside down. And then I said, oh, wow. So that, that he became really poetic even, right? earth-shattering, like, whoa, wow, you know? I thought he didn't have any emotions, but, well, like, full of emotions. And then I asked, Dad, do you still think about mom? Do you still think about mom? And he goes, not, not a day passes by without me thinking about your mom. Especially when I come to the United States, when I see these wonderful fruits and you know, all kinds of honeydews and all kinds of fruits that I see, I think about your mom all the time. Right there, my father and I got really joined in. As I was about to say goodbye to my dad, I found myself hugging my dad and said, Dad, I love you. I love you. Which was something that I could never say. I remember saying, I'm sorry, I made a mistake while he was spanking me. But I could never say, I love you. But right at that moment, when we got joined in like that, I was able to tell him, Dad, I love you. You endured. I don't know how you did it. When your word shattered and everything, how you could continue your faith and everything. 
So it is important for us to learn to express ourselves. Express ourselves. Don't wait until someone dies and then at the funeral you express everything to the dead body. You know how would they? They don't get it. They're gone. My son is really good at expressing things like, my son, my kids are very expressive, very expressive, more expressive than us. I'm learning from my son. And I want to tell you, being able to express yourself, learn to how to do hard things. You see, from the childhood age, you got to learn to do hard things. You cannot make life too easy. And so, you know, remember, I remember on Father's Day, <laughs> my son called me. On Father's Day, my son called me, Happy Father's Day. And then he said, I thank you for building me the kind of character that I have. And, you, you know, and then, so what did I do? I, I felt like I didn't do anything. I was too busy for you. And said, Dad, do you remember a time that we were trying to make a, uh, you know, the patio up in our, you know, hills behind our house? And then we were trying to make something small, but it ended up being so huge. And then we were cementing everywhere. We were doing masonry work and everything. And then you were like a taskmaster from North Korea. <laughs> you, were, you were telling us that you're not going to give me food until I work and all that. And it said, oh, sorry, my son, I abused you. He said, no, no, you, you, you pushed us to do some hard things, and that really helped me to be built up. And said, wow, praise God, maybe I should have done more of that. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, develop personal talents and resources. These are the time when they need to learn music, they need to learn instruments, and they need to find out their talents and gifts and you know, build resources. Otherwise, they will fill their lives with unproductive, unsatisfying activities. Number six, self-care requires knowing yourself, making yourself understandable to other people. It is not enough for you to express whatever you feel, but you need to express in a way that what? The other person gets it. You know what I mean? One time, like, uh, my wife, you know, used to just tell me that, you know, how much she needed me and needed to spend time with me and all that stuff. Whenever she was telling me about the, her needs, it would just, like, fly out like this. But one day she got it. One day she, she came up to me and she held my hand. This is how you talk to your husband, ladies. She held my hand and she said, honey. You're the only one I can look up to meeting my needs. Do you want me to go to somebody else to meet my needs? Man, that lady. <laughs> my blood was about to go upside down. <laughs> and then she said, you are the only one. You're the only one who can meet my needs. That's why I can only look to you. You're so important to me. Oh, man, when I heard that, used to be like, oh, she's complaining again. But then all of a sudden, I felt like, oh, I'm important. I'm the only one who can meet her needs. So as a child growing up, kids need to learn. We need to learn how to communicate in such a way that the other person gets it. Can you imagine nagging, 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 nagging for the rest of your life? And then, you know, the lady nags like 30 years and her husband is like, all she hears is like, Arr! 
but we got to say it in a way that you get the attention of the other person as well. Number seven, children understand the big picture of life. Life, there's more to it than just meeting your needs and getting your you know, desire to be satisfied. There's more to it in life. I remember one time I was talking to my daughter about great controversy. You know, Seventh-day Adventist whole theology on great controversy is so important. Why? Because one day I was talking to my daughter about great controversy through uh, studying Desire of Asia. I don't know. I don't exactly remember the context, but I was talking to her. And then my daughter was in her, like, uh, 12 years old or something. You know, she was like, uh, yeah, 12 years old. She was still a child. And after I shared this whole concept of great controversy, she said, in closing, she can be pretty insightful. She said, Daddy, are you telling me that that I have, I am, I have, you know, my being has a universal significance. <laughs> universal significance. Kids need to know that they count and their life counts for something greater than themselves. What happens when you grow up not being able to meet your child's needs. What happens? Let's move on very quickly. There's just only three things. What happens when a person gets stuck in one's childhood? You become an what? Adult child. And some people get stuck in this forever. There are three things I want to talk about. Adult body, but emotionally at the child level of maturity. Egocentric, narcissistic, so every, everything centered around the world, you know, you, you, every, you know, everything, you know, evolve around you. And then do you meet people and then they can, all they can talk about is about themselves? Have you ever encountered people like as soon as you're with them, they have so much to talk about what happened in their lives and that's all they talk about. And you have no room to intervene or talk about your things. You end up hearing about this person's need and all that. And that's where this person is, egocentric, narcissistic, being stuck in that childhood stage. Can only take care of self in an expense of other people. And that's a problem too, right? You see, infant is not able to take care of himself or herself. And then adult child learn to take care of themselves in an expense of what? Other people. How do you call this kind of people? I mean, I, I don't mean to be mean, but how do you call this kind of people in a in a common language, I, I don't like to use that word, but they're called as what? Huh? <laughs> they're, they're called, can I, can I say the word? They're like a suckers. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're sucked the energy out of other people. In that way, they take care of themselves. And so that's unhealthy, isn't it? That's unhealthy. That's so unhealthy. And, and, and we need to move away from this. This adult child, parents still, you know? Yeah, adult child. Okay? How do you like it? How would you like to marry this person? You know, all you need to feed him milk. So how do you like that? Adult child, play, 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 you know, like doesn't think about any responsibilities, doesn't want to do anything hard. I know this uh, adult child living with a family, very rich family. 
And I ended up bumping into these people. Very nice house, big house. Everyone's gone except this really intellectual person who once went to a very nice, very good Ivy League school, dropped out, came home, and then this guy sleeps throughout the day and then get up middle of the night and then he, his activities begin. He takes care of himself, he goes out grocery shopping, he eats, and he doesn't go to work, he doesn't do anything. Parents are like had it up here because he was already like 35 years old. So I said, how many years has this been going on? Like more than 10 years. And so I can't kick him out and you know, I, I don't know what to do. He's intellectual, he can do things, but he figures that he's gonna have it easy that way. Depending on social security, whatever, you know, welfare, whatever. I said, there's a way. I said, you gotta sell your house. You gotta sell your house and then you're gonna to have to move into a, a studio apartment. <laughs> Not even one bedroom apartment, the, to move into a studio apartment, and then you give him three months rent. You give him three months rent, and then you say, goodbye, let him go. You gotta do that. And so, guess what? They did that. They did that. And then this person now is working, <laughs> probably got married, you see? So adult child, it's a big issue. You take care of yourself as you what? Rely on the parents. Become a sucker. And in doing so, two things happen. You're not, being you're not being responsible. You continue to grow in that spirit of irresponsibility, and whatever parent does is makes this person even more irresponsible. So it's an enabling kind of relationship that doesn't do any good to anybody, right? You got to break through. Why would a parent allow that? It's not the child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Parents either they're too busy or parents have this work thinking that you know they, they trust and believe in their kids too much in that oh he's gonna he's not like that, he's gonna get it one day, you know, and then one day become two days, two days become one month, and then it becomes one year, and guess what happened? When abnormality, you know, when abnormality continues on, then it becomes normalized. You know what I'm saying? I met this one family whose daughter has been depressed for 15 years. And then, shh, don't talk about it. She's in that room, never comes out, only when she wants to eat. And say, hey, you got to turn this house all upside down to get anything going. But, oh, you know, you know, she, you know, we pray and God will take care of her. Whoa. And when abnormality continues, you become normalized, you don't, you don't sense it as much as it is a crisis. So sometimes you need outside, you know, viewpoint to come in and say, hey, this is not normal. You're like destroying everybody. 
Man, we got to do something right now. I mean, today. <laughs> you got to put the house in the market today. There's another people I know in California, like the son is 45 years old, still living off of his parents who are in their 70s. They're working so hard to support this boy, still a boy. And the parents are like, you know, what do I do? We are parents, you know. We got to take care of him. And I said, are you crazy? What's going to happen when you die? Who's going to take care of your son? No. So when there's crisis, there has to be very uh, abrupt and, and severe kind of interruption needing to take place. One side, adult, one the other side, child. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Loss of childhood, okay? Dealing with the loss of childhood. Very important, okay? Oh, first, 4.30. So we're going to finish in 15 minutes, okay? So loss of childhood. Child needs to have a memory of play, joyful bonding, affection, expression of love, joy of being carefree, worry-free existence. Child needs to have this sense of, you know, um, yeah, sense of joy and peace and uh, having to enjoy. Uh, when we don't have that, when we lost that childhood, often results in sadness. Sadness is the one that is suppressed. Anger is the one that is coming out in the form of aggression. And then it becomes a source of depression in later years. And you become ap you know, you know, apathetic and then you feel entitled. And then you become a cracked pot syndrome where no matter how much you love, you know, how much you pull in love, it, you know, it doesn't retain, uh, it doesn't stay. You become exhausted, failure to drive and no motivation and all that. And this is important. Results of loss of childhood, when normal dependency needs are not met, like being taken care of and all that, we tend to grow into an adult with a wounded inner child. Had our childhood needs been met, we would not have become adult children, right? So, so adult children are the ones whose childhood needs are not met, and they're met, therefore they are wounded. And so then what the wounded child needs, what the child whose needs were not met as a child need to go through is a grieving process because they are dealing with the what? Loss of childhood. It is a loss, like losing parents, like losing your loved one. Losing your childhood is a loss. And therefore, they need to grieve over it, you know? A lot of times, simple grieving process can do a trick. I don't know if I can use the word trick. Can do a tremendous uh, impact in a person. Like writing a letter. Writing a letter about your woundedness as a child. And then you share it with a group who can be accountable, who can provide safety and security in your relationship with one another. And then in that place of sharing in a secure, safe way, joy gets created and you get accepted, and then you know what? People get to overcome what they cannot overcome on their own. I'm gonna share with you some of the letters that are written. Robert uh, Fergham wrote this. I know what I really want for Christmas. I want my childhood back. 
You can tell already there's a lot of loss. Nobody going to give me that. I know it doesn't make sense. But since when is Christmas about sense? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it is about a child of long ago and far away. And it is about a child of now in you and me waiting behind the door of our hearts for something wonderful to happen. You see, this person is longing for the loss of childhood, wanting to go back, wanting to rekindle it, and wanting to revive it and relive it again. And then this is something that middle-aged men wrote, okay, as a result of coming to a place where they're openly sharing and grieving together as a group. Um, someone can read it for us? Maybe, Joel, would you come? Dear Dad, I want you to know how you hurt me. You punished me more than you spent time with me. I could have endured the welts and cuts if only you would have spent time with me. I wanted your love more than I could ever tell you. If only you would have played with me or taken me to a ball game. If only you could have told me you loved me. I wanted you to care about me. You see? This person, the middle-aged man, as he shares about his agony, his pain, his suffering, you know, how he was being abused and all that, how his father had never had a time for him. He was grieving over it. As he was sobbing in tears, people around him held his hand, and some of them held his even head, and they were hugging him. They were caressing him. They were telling him how much they understand and care, and then, and then how you know, he, he was encouraged. And, and it's amazing how this person was able to be in touch with that loss of childhood and was able to grieve it in a way that he could go beyond. And this is the elegant-looking lady in her 70s. You can carry your adult child to a 70-years-old age. Mother, you were too busy with your charity work. You never had time to tell me you loved me. You paid attention to me only when I was sick or when I was playing the piano and making you proud. You only let me have the feelings that pleased me. I only mattered when I pleased you. You never loved me for myself. I was so alone. You can, you can feel the pain in this letter. Mid-thirties with blindedness. I hated you because you were ashamed of me. You locked me in the garage apartment when you entertained your friends. I never got enough to eat. I was so hungry. I knew you hated me because I was a burden to you. You laughed and ridiculed me when I fell down. John Brescia started this movement of healing the wounded inner child program and he ended up kind of bumping into that program by allowing people to share when they people when people started to share among these hundred people they began to come together and then just you know really really nurture the person who's grieving and he found out that how much of an you know I'm going to share with this it says I'm going to just end with this first statement okay three things that are striking about inner child work if we have a wounded child that has never been dealt with, we need to do this. Why? Because this is what John Brescia said. Three things are striking about inner child work. 
the speed with which people change when they do this work. The depth of that change and the power, this is amazing, and the power and the creativity that result when wounds from the past are healed. In other words, when, when we carry this woundedness from the childhood and never been dealt with, never been healed, never been free from it, and then there's something that's going to suffocate us, there's something that's going to make us stuck in that we will never be able to flourish or, or prosper in a way that, that the child with joy would do. Look at this. Developed the workshop focusing on helping people to finish their unresolved grief from childhood, grief resulting from abandonment, abuse in all forms, the neglect of a childhood development, dependent needs, and the enmeshments that result from family system dysfunction. In my experience, a developmental approach, that's what I'm doing, is the most thorough and effective way to heal our emotional wounds. I'm going to end with this. Sorry, I ended up giving you one more. End with this. You know, child needs to be what? Claimed and what be? Nurtured. You see, you cannot ignore. Oh, I'm no longer a child. That is a thing of a past. I'm going to forget about it. No, time will heal. No. The lady in her seven is still carries the inner child, be affected by it, had a sorrow and sadness, deals with it. You know, child needs to be claimed and be nurtured in a group setting where trust and safety is assured. Once this happened, the creative energy of their wonderful natural child begins to emerge. Amen? Whoa! I want you to just like get in touch with the wonder of your child. In that you become like a little kid running around and exploring and flourishing and being joyous and, you know, just, just, just being jolly. Once integrated, the inner child becomes a source of regeneration and new vitality. Carl Jung called the natural child, the wonder child, our innate potential for exploration, awe, and created being. You see, God wants you to be so free from the things that bondages you, bondages us, woundedness of the past, so free in that you become a child of God and being courageous and then exploring all that you need to explore to the wonder of God that God has given to each and every one of us. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you understand our brokenness. You understand our pain. You understand how fragile we are as your children, as an infant, as a child. We have a lot of growing up to do. We have a lot of maturing to do. But, but we're not alone. You're going to walk with us. You're going to send Holy Spirit. But not only that, Lord, we are called to be there for one another, to uplift one another, to support one another to be a, a building block for one another, for growth and maturity, to break through in a place of breakdown, Lord. So bless us on our journey together. We thank you for the courage that has been shared by these amazing people who has been coming to this seminar, Lord. I pray that you bless our time together. Bless each and every one of our journey toward wholeness and healing in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.